Welcome back, guys, to the Thinking Aloud with Mal podcast. Today, our guest is a strategic partner with Google, a founder and CEO of multiple startups, a business developer, a strategic advisor, and a venture capital partner, Mr. Adnan Aziz, who's also a dear friend of mine. And we delve into multiple subjects in this podcast, such as William Wesley and the enigma he was in rising to power and becoming one of the most influential and powerful sports figures in the NBA, as well as Genghis Khan and his brilliance in uh, military strategy and IT and tech and AI. And of course, we also delve into Islam. I hope you guys enjoy. Sadnan Aziz, welcome to the show. I, thank you. Thank I you appreciate very much. you for coming on. Thanks. Pleasure to be here. I mean, uh, it's always fun to chat. Let's talk about uh, being kind and doing well in business. <laughs> because I was actually, this, this, this semester, we've been reading up on game theory and mm. how, for example, if there's two gas stations that are competing, it is much better for them if they cooperated on yeah. pricing rather than trying yeah. to compete and steal each other's prices by decreasing the price and the other then has to also decrease the price while yeah. no no neither one ends up gaining the other one's competitor but instead they're making less money per gas yeah yeah it's uh it's interesting right it's like um so I guess that the example that I was taught early on, I'm sure you you were also you also know about this one, was like the prisoner's dilemma, right? Which is a little bit more real. But I guess you you know you're taking it from the business perspective. Well, yeah, absolutely, that's true. And you know that view of the world, that world thinking is um, is called. We almost we almost don't have a name for the other opposite because it's it's almost considered idealistic. But you know what you're talking about, right? Like that's that's called the zero sum game. So that means at the end of the day, one of us wins and one of us loses. And um, that's really kind of the basis of it, right? Like that's like the thinking of like Trump, right? Just like he just wants to grind his, you know, the person he's kind of trying to do a deal with into the ground, right? Because that's the way his mindset is. And, and just like you said, in actuality, um, you know what? there's a win-win uh, for sure. And like on that topic, uh, I remember there's actually a Netflix um, Netflix documentary show. It's like three parts about math. And I think it's called The Code. And maybe you can like link all these things or something to your podcast. But like The Code, the third episode of The Code, <clears throat> the first two episodes are really, really interesting as well. You know, and stuff like, you know, the golden mean and, and you know, uh, fractals and things like that. And that's cool. But then the third one brings up um, something super interesting, which is the, it's about, it's about cities. And there was this massive study that I think the university of Michigan did um, about cities, the growth of cities and, and kind of what happens and what efficiencies are created. And, and sort of the TLDR is that um that every time the city, or in, and they looked at cities all over the, the world um, of all sizes. So every time this, the population of a city doubles, the quality of life um, for all people and across so many spectrums that they measured, everything from like health 
to wealth, to choices in um, you know options, uh, education, they all uh, all increase by twenty percent. What when just the population grows? Population doubles. Quality of life across all of those metrics for everybody increases by twenty percent. Why is that? Like, wouldn't the population <clears throat> yeah. growth or population doubling be worse? Wouldn't you think that, I mean, isn't this the way that we're taught? Isn't this how Trump thinks? He thinks that, that cities are just cesspools, you know, of, uh, of, of people. And it's just nonstop, you know, um, terrible things. And, but, you know, it actually doesn't have to be that way. And it's not that way. And there is a reason, like, people come into cities together. It's because there's efficiencies that are created. You know, if you think about it, like, um, you know, it starts as simply as, you know, group buying is is like a simple case of it, right? Like uh, my mom and my aunt, they, you know, get, get together and they're like, oh, you're going to Costco? Uh, okay, let's go have these on, you know, this gigantic, you know, thing of whatever, right? So they both get a better deal, right? And so um, same, same concept, right? Like um, what your it becomes more efficient to uh, have utilities because everybody is there. Um, you know, the cost is spread over everybody. Like um, there, you have more, um, you have more addressable market in one place. So, you know, you can create more services that are better for everybody, et cetera. You know, it just becomes more efficient for everything. Now, like, then the question becomes like, you know, are we, are we, is society like, you know, equally sharing those, uh, efficiencies across the board, but efficiencies are created for sure. Um, and it's happened all over, I mean, all over history, right? But this is for the same reason, by the way, you know, when people say red states and blue states, actually, no, it's not. It's red swaths, you know, and blue dots. Generally, when people come over, now my politics, I guess, are showing, but um, when people get together in cities, um, they actually become less you know, conservative in general. They realize that, hey, that gay dude over there is not, you know, the worst man in the world. Oh, wow, like this black person is actually really cool. You know, and so um, things happen. People come together. Like they realize that people are not so bad after all. Um, conversely, like when you're in rural areas and now you're just being, you know, fed this steady drumbeat of, of terrible, awful, awful news and from you know biases sources and false sources and you're just sitting at home by yourself and you see no real life examples and you experience any of this stuff and you don't have a passport um yeah it's easy that's just easy pickings and what's happening then is like okay well if the population goes down in a rural area it doesn't make sense to have a hospital near you your nearest hospital is going to be 100 miles away because it's not efficient cuts both ways right huh that is that is that actually a thing where in rural areas they don't have hospitals? Yeah, hospitals are closing all over the place. Rural areas. That's it's honestly kind of weird because don't want that, a welfare state, right? So are you? Do you live happens. in? Do you live in a city? Uh, we yeah, I've lived in pretty much all cities, but um, yeah, I learned, now at the moment I'm, I'm living in Houston or like a suburb of Houston. Houston's pretty much one big suburb. Oh man. Um, I want to go. I want to live in Dallas, Texas, at some point in my life. That's, that's where I want to. Don't ever tell anybody from Houston that. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's not a. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, there's there's a long-standing, I guess, like uh, you know, uh, 
that's interesting. I, I didn't know there was rivalries between <laughs> cities in one state. I've never even heard. I guess that's a Texas uh, thing yeah. more than anything. <laughs> I think they feel deeply about a lot of things, uh, you know, very territorial. Uh, people in Austin have bumper stickers that says, uh, friends don't let friends move to Dallas. <laughs> Wow. And that just goes back to what you're talking about is, is territorial, uh, tribalistic mentality where we just want ourselves and our area to be better or our company to be better, but not the rest. Yeah, it's, it's actually, I think it's actually an, an Arab um, way, it's an old Arab saying, it's like, you know, me, me against my brother, me, my brother against my cousin, me, my, my uh, family against, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, that's, that's the way it goes because the concentric circles of, of that. Um, I remember listening. I remember re- or learning about that in, in college one time. And it's only like things like religion that really get your mind off of that. Like religion's the only thing, at least in in Western narratives, that really tells you not to be selfish, not to be individualistic. Because even when I when I see what my friends post about on, on social media, it's all about all this like. Uh, me against the world kind of talk where nobody's going to help you. Your friends ain't your friends. Mm. All this kind of like negative talk on how it goes down. And I'm like, dude, you should be, you should love each other. You should, you know, really want to be close with everyone because uh, even though it's the only way you get up. Yeah. It goes to that William Wesley guy that you sent me an yeah. article about. I, when I was reading this GQ article, I was shocked because I'm a huge NBA fan and I've never even yeah. heard of this guy. I've heard Worldwide West in a couple rap songs, but I thought that was just like the company's right. name that they're talking about. But right. this is yeah. a real guy. Yeah, I, I first got on him. Yeah, I first got on him from that Drake song. You know, I learned the game from William Wesley. You could never check me. Huh. Back to back. Uh, it's it a freestyle. And. Yeah, then I started. I started listening to him, or listening, or reading about him. It's like, who's William Wesley? And yeah, I mean, why don't you tell the story? I think I think you're more interested in this guy than I could ever be. But well, the thing, the thing about this guy is, while ago, yeah. Even his own friends don't even know what he does. Like when they asked his friends, "What what does he actually do?" They were like, I have no idea what this guy actually does. All he does <laughs> is literally become friends and take care of people in the NBA, take care of LeBron James, take care of Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, all these big star names. And from and, uh, and it started off like that. So so yeah, I mean, so basically, like how it started is is that this guy is in Jersey and he's not like a great athlete himself, but his friends are and his cousins are they play basketball. He works at um, Foot Locker. You know, he's always been encouraging to them, et cetera. And then, um, you know, they, they come by, they need shoes. He hooks them up with his employee discount, right? And, um, and no one's going to be like, oh, no, why did he do this? Yeah. You're like, um, so he's just nice. He, like, follows them on, um, you know, follows their games and stuff in newspapers and stuff. And he even, like, goes and, and if they're playing an away game, he'll go, right? He'll go and cheer them on and stuff like that. And this is the jump. This is part for me, like, I'm also like, what? Um, so, you know, he, he's just constantly doing people favors. Um, he's never asking anything in return. And like, that's pretty much like the basis of it. So like, he goes and, and he goes out of his way. And I mean, out of his way, like he moves to another city <laughs> to go and, and kind of help support these guys, do like run errands, whatever, be there, like, you know, assistance asks for nothing, okay? and 
um, later on, you know, he's able to do bigger favors. Bigger, he gets he gets smart. He gets smarter about it. Like okay, like well, these guys they're all very big and tall. They can't find suits. Like they can't do this. And um, he goes and you know he he sources it for them and all this stuff. Maybe he gets paid like a little salary or something like this. But you know nothing that would make you do this. But he also always completely always his favors for people that can't do anything for him, right? Like. Um, the kid that's just making 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 his way, you know, and so what he does then is like all these people he had been doing favors for, instead of ever asking them for anything, a deal, let's do this, let's partner, etc. He just says, "Hey man, you know, can you do me a favor and help this guy out?" So he takes his goodwill and he just keeps on passing it forward. This is this network through William Wesley, where. Now LeBron James, you know, um, this guy's been helping LeBron James since LeBron James was, was you know, in, in high school or whatever. And now he could call LeBron James and say, hey, LeBron, can you do me a favor? LeBron's like, yeah, man, anything. I was like, what? Like, oh, this kid, can you give him some advice? Can you help him out? Like, that's, that's how he did it. That's mm. incredible, right? He never went and um, short-sighted and said, hey, you know, pay me, you know. Give me, give me some money. Let me be your agent. Let me like, no, they just kept on passing, passing his favors owed to him to help somebody else. That's the amazing part. And that's, that's why you can never check him too. But I was, because, as I was reading the article, yeah, it, it kind of made me like, okay, where's the catch here? Where's the catch? Where, where's what he's gaining out of this? Well, there I mean, must be got, something. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he's got so much, um, He's helped so much people that they trust him. They believe in him. They really do feel like he has their best interest at heart. So literally when the NBA was on strike a couple of years ago, many years ago, they called William Wesley, you know, like now uh, what? He's a partner at CAA, which is, I guess, one of the largest uh, talent agencies in the world, you know, uh, sports agencies and all that kind of stuff. Like, hey, if you need to make something happen, who's the guy who can pick up a phone and actually make something happen is, is William Wesley, you know? And it's not like he's, you know, using now his power to, you know, do evil stuff or whatever. Like, along the way, he knew that if he, if he created value, like, yeah, money, money will come. And it did. That's amazing. I don't know if he saw it that far in advance, um, but it, that's, that's the that's question. That's, that's the mystery of the man. That's yeah. really the question is, is, was this a plan for him? Did he just really put into place like game theory in the, in its most optimal form? Well, not even game theory, just. It's the reverse of game theory. It's a, it's, it's like not the zero sum thing. It's like long-term thinking, you know, like, um, you know, I, I really do believe that like the internet, um, though it's bumpy, man, it's going to be a bumpy ride. There's a quote, um, Barack Obama said it, but he didn't created but it says that the arc of just uh, the arc of justice no, no the arc of history is long but it bends towards justice hmm that's nice that's bends towards justice i'm not saying it's not going to be a bumpy road and you know we got the internet and what happens with the internet is some pretty amazing things right like um it creates transparency for everybody and it democratizes that what happens if you don't have transparency 
Well, um, people with more power, with more resources can pit other people against each other. Uh, they can take advantage of people who can't fight their way out of anything and, or do anything about it. Uh, a lot of injustice and a lot of, of terrible things can happen, right? <clears throat> well, I'll give you like an example that's not like a, you know, so sad, I suppose, but it's real and it's really cool. And it, it kind of makes my example for how the internet um, you know, can actually help. So it's like, um, have you ever heard of Skip Lagged? No. Okay. So Skip Lagged is an app where um, it looks at um, it looks at all the flights and it looks at flights that are direct as well as flights. Like let's say you want to go from Baltimore um, to Chicago, and that's what I want to do. Okay, so let's say it costs uh, four hundred dollars, um, but there's another trip that goes through Chicago. Actually, the destination is um, Minneapolis, right? But that ticket costs two hundred dollars, right? And that doesn't make any sense, right? You're like, well, wow. So if I just didn't get on the next flight, then I could get to Chicago for two hundred dollars less. Right. And that's that's the way that that airlines have been pricing for a long time, like discriminatorily, right? Uh, we always thought, I always thought, everybody always thought that it had to do something with fuel consumption and seats and blah 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 and blah blah blah. Say so, no, they just spotted that like you know business travelers they go this route quite often. So if somebody wants somebody searches you know Baltimore to Chicago, I'm gonna I'm gonna charge that guy four hundred dollars. Um, but hey, if there's somebody else who wants to go to Minneapolis, maybe that's you know a normal person, um, and it stops to Chicago. That'll be two hundred dollars. So Come skip out, lags, are you serious? Oh yeah, yeah. Because I and thought transit. Put it in your notes. Put it in your notes afterwards, or maybe you can put it on the screen or something. But no, no, because because I man. travel, I travel internationally quite a bit, and it's usually like you have to go to Saudi Arabia, or you have to go to Paris, yeah. you have to go to London, and then you go to Egypt, and then you go to the, right. the country. And it's like, yeah. wait, why am I going way past my country and then going back yeah. towards the country? Yeah. Is that the yeah, same that's thing? For one. Yeah, yeah, that's for one. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's the question. On international, it might be a bit trickier because then you have like you know, uh, you're in another country, you're supposed to be in another country, and then uh, you know the airlines. Uh, they might cancel the rest of your ticket, you know? So the airlines saw what this guy was doing. So he made an app. He was a college kid and made this app and um, uh, genius, right? I mean, genius. So basically be like, you take one-way flights because um, the airline, if you didn't make your, your, your leg, they would have canceled the rest of your flight, right? So like, you know, you have to be like, okay, you're not taking take any carry-on luggage, right? Or uh, check-in luggage, right? Um, and if that's the case, if you can do that, then skip lag is perfect for you, which is a lot of people. So um, airlines got pissed off. Airlines started trying to you know um, mess with his, his his little. They sued him actually. Um, they sued him and they lost. He won. Why? Because it's transparency. You know, it's like um, they don't have the right to to um, take away that transparency. They they were doing something uh, messed up. It affected the consumer. They were taking advantage of all of us um, because they didn't want us to see that that they were pricing preferentially like that, right? It's like I mean, that. That's the way it is. And so, like the internet can be a force for good. It is. It often is, and you can't take it back. It doesn't matter if you are, you know, the government of China, the government of Iran, or Saudi Arabia, or whoever, right? You can't stop the internet. <laughs> and that's why when. 
when people are attacking the media the way they are now, like it's both on the left and the right side. I mean, I'm not yeah. that big of a fan of, of the media either, but mm -hmm. I trust them enough or, or not completely. I mean, I take everything they say with a grain of salt, but I at least yeah. trust them. This distrust of the media is very scary for our democracy because like you yeah. said, the media is the way the media is what has made powerful institutions like the FBI, CIA, the government and companies shaking their boots and not do yeah. the fraudulent things that they used to. Yeah. Like in the 50s, 60s and 70s. So yep. th this whole idea of don't trust the media, the media is lying to you. It's like, no, that's not necessarily the truth at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, you know, the thing of it is it's a very easy trap to fall into you know like the thinking of the fact that there's some you know yeah that is all bad and whatever and you know this is technologically like if we think about what's happening we're like it's it's a couple of things it's like um we have a problem with like you know signal versus noise you know there's just it's become, there's too much, there's too much information. And so therefore it's like anything looks like anything, you know, it's hard to judge the quality of the veracity of, of, you know, um, some information versus other information. So, you know, you have a lot of people who are you know, believing fake news, right? That's for one, that's a problem for all of us. You know, it's like, there's so much stuff out there. How I, how can I actually just find you know, the stuff that's true, the stuff that's relevant to me, um, through all this garbage where anybody can just make up anything and put it onto a web page, right? Um, and we're gonna have to solve that. Um, nobody's ha nobody has. But then the other flip side of that, you know, it, I think one of our topics was like social, social graph, social network, social dilemma, right? You said the social dilemma, yeah. I didn't know what, it was always, I think you were you talking about that that movie, I guess social that dilemma? that new thing that came out on Netflix, yeah. Yeah, you know, I didn't watch it, but I got it. Um, because uh, I guess I've been there, right, on both sides. But like, if you look back to like uh, Cambridge Analytica, you know, like what actually happened was like, well, they, they had a they had a a like a reference um, data set that was only supposed to be available for researchers, and they essentially just you know, joint they like swiped it, uh, used it for um, very very clever. Um, ads where they kept on like you know honing in on specific people and their fears and once they found these people so they like throw something out there and then you know as soon as somebody gets some interest on one thing what facebook's like algorithm does is like, this is the thing they called edge rank right and i am not a huge fan of this company right um so as soon as 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 um you know you bring some attention to something uh, and, and and a topic, um, a news article, whatever, it has a leaning. Facebook recognizes that and wants to give you more of what you want. So it just keeps on honing in and honing in and honing in and honing in. And soon that person's worldview, if they're only on Facebook, right, is so narrow. And therefore, like thinking back to like transparency, like they're, they're, it's taken over the reality, you know, it's, um, and that's why we're like in this place right now in this country and the world where there's so much, you know, polarity and like fragmentation where at each other's throats because 
literally like our realities are different because of this. Yeah, and we're uh, all stuck in our people. homes now too. Yeah, yeah, so it makes even it worse. even worse. Yeah. Yep. And the no thing doubt. is is that there we're something like that I was re- reading up on is black box algorithms, which is mostly what uh, yeah, I don't even know what that is actually. Black, what is it? <laughs> black box algorithms as soon as I say it, you'll know exactly what it is, which is just basically the algorithms that companies like Facebook and Google run where as yeah. soon as the as soon as the coder creates the algorithm it's no longer in his hands they don't know what happens to the algorithm or or what the algorithm the outcomes that it comes out with Mm. so because Mm. it becomes so complex and Mm. it self-learns to a point where you know you kind of lose control of your own beast what's that maybe it's that plus like um shit man i mean if you if you created nuclear weapons or that, would you really want to have that guy see the aftermath? You know, if yeah. you're the, right? You're like, if that guy was in control and he saw the evil that his algorithm was doing, then as a, yeah, I don't believe he would want any part of it. You know what I mean? I believe he would probably want to, you know, correct it, like stop it from happening, right? Um, I think been, I think that actually did happen previously at Twitter with like a, a very early engineer where... He saw what it, what the algorithm was doing. Maybe it's good for the business, but not good for people. And so, you know, he was able to correct, self-correct it himself, you know. But, you know, organizationally, if you're Facebook, I could see them doing something, you know. You're like, hey, you know, really smart engineer. Go write this algorithm. Theoretically, you know, this is kind of what we wanted to do. Optimize for this and that. So he does it. And then you just separate him. He doesn't think anymore about, oh, what did I just do, right? somebody else goes and he hands it up to somebody else and they're they're looking at and some other business objective and it's off of mine it's off of his conscience right so go get go do another one um organizationally as well you know it's it's like that and people are so afraid of like artificial intelligence and robots taking over and what if they're taking over yeah. right now with these algorithms like artificial yeah. intelligence is is a very broad statement it doesn't just go to yeah. straight up just robots that are mimicking human behavior. It's more of uh, how about these algorithms on Instagram and, and, and Twitter yeah. and Facebook that are yeah. literally l- knowing you better than you know yourself and feeding yeah. you everything that like just, just bias, bias, bias. And so when you yeah. hear for a second, anyone that says anything different from you, it immediately just pisses you off, irritates you. Yeah, right? Yeah, you would probably, you know, you would probably uh, kind of feel attacked in a way. Like you'd probably feel like, you know, you're crazy or, or something because it's so separate from, like you said, like what you know to be true, you know? Interesting, and, yeah. And it's not, it's not the world that we are used to living in and it's not the world that we do live in. The world that we live in is that everyone is completely different. Everyone's built different. Their opinions are mm-hmm. different. Like my mind and your mind, like we're we're both from the same religion, yet you and I interpret and see and have a perspective on this religion completely different than each other, even though we're reading the same text and probably listening to similar yeah. people. And yeah. even in Islam, it says that that I, God says that he has created every person with, with their own specialties, with their own abilities, with their own mindset. And yeah. people need to understand that. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, 
um, like how how we segment, how we think about, you know, this person is, you know, frame people um, is and things is, is also so interesting as well. Like, um, it, who do you have more, you know, who do you have the most in common with? You know, it may not be somebody who is of your same race, your same nationality, your same language speaking group, your same, you know, religion, you know, like, um, that's not who we only are, you know, we are, we're human. It's not like, um, that's the thing that, that sort of defines us or, you know, at least that's that's how I uh, how I I operate. You know, like my, my friends are, are very very diverse, and I'm sure yours are, are are too. And and you know, for me, like um, it's one thing about me. It's like you know, it's not the everything about me. Okay. And that that's that's a very unique perspective on it because the way that our politics in in America works or in the West in general is that okay, you're you're. You're you're a black cis woman, or you're an Arab male, you know, Muslim. Yeah. Like you're just categorized, and every time you yeah. speak, and I think this is how humans are naturally built: is that they just, as you speak to someone, they're constantly trying to categorize you, constantly trying mm -hmm. to put you in these boxes so they can better mm -hmm. understand you. It's more simplified yeah. that way. It's not even just that, and that's the way we deal with people. It's actually that is is how we operate through life, like. I mean, you know, assumptions, making assumptions to say in startups, right? Like knowing your assumptions uh, is very, very, very important. Like if you don't, if you're going in some direction and you're not very, very clear on, on kind of what you're assuming and how you're assuming that the world works, then you're not going to be able to learn much. You're going to be very, very blind, right? So walking through life. So like how we make assumptions is, is like uh, relatively, right? This thing is like that thing, so it'll share the same characteristics. I can treat this thing um, as that thing, right? So constantly in life, we are um, we're going through, and our minds are um, are trying to make you know good assumptions, all right? And that that's what makes life um, easier, more efficient, right? That's how we understand things. Because if everything was completely independent, right, we would know nothing. Uh, we would not even be able to function, right? Um, each each you know experience would be completely new. Um, it wouldn't make any sense, right? Does that make? Does that kind We'd of be just right? constant like, babies, constant children? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it is being a like uh, assuming is is kind of most core to us, but then it's also so dangerous as well, right? Because yeah. yeah, so sort of uh, that for ourselves is like it's. It's, it's super interesting. Like, um, I, you know, for me, like in my like startup experiences and stuff, like I, I just think that like um, thinking about how I think and like why I think a certain, like why something even popped into my brain, like constantly um, has been kind of one of the most uh, helpful things that, that I, I've, uh, I've been able to Actually, tell find. me a little bit about your startups because I was looking at one, that one startup flavor first, man. That, <laughs> first that looked, flavor, yeah, yeah. First flavor, yeah. 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 That looked really cool. That was a really cool yeah. idea. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah. What ended up so happening with that? You end up selling it or? 
No, unfortunately, uh, we had to close that business down. But you know, along the way, you know, for for various reasons, you learn lessons, and, and that's the way it goes. As long as you learn something, you know, all's not lost. But it was an amazing experience. You know, I coming out of college, I um, well, in college, like I was always I was tinkering around with you know startup ideas and stuff like that. Uh, actually, a friend of mine, uh, two friends of mine, and I in senior year, we there was this um, Middle Eastern restaurant on campus, and uh, you know, it was kind of like higher priced and he would um, close his business at like 8 p.m. you know on a college campus which is like the real estate was probably really high or the, sorry, the rent was probably really high so I'm like so we're like hey let's pitch this guy and, and maybe we can start a, a hookah bar with him after he closes his business down and and yeah we were able to sort of talk him into it right and we had this hookah bar that was running and like it was like the most popular you know um, nightlife place on on, um, on the campus uh, it did really well there's like lines you know for like hours or something um yeah like that was always doing stuff like that you know um big or small but um i had a random idea you know like i uh i was watching tv it was sophomore year and it was it was um charlie chalk charlie and the chocolate factory no i think the, the older one's called really wonka no i think it's called charlie and chocolate anyways the one with gene wilder um not the one with with johnny depp um so watching this movie and you know it's a fun movie right there's like you know all these wacky things um Roald Dahl you know amazing amazing author and um and it was like the schnozberries just like schnozberries like wallpaper you know and uh and the kid looks at it and it's like a pineapple there's like a pineapple and uh, all this other wacky stuff and then I flipped the channel the commercials and it was the food food network and then they were talking about like um, flavors and art dyes and, and kind of all that stuff. And I remember the markers like we had when we were kids. I don't know if they had them when we were, when you were a kid or <laughs> kind of still a kid. But, um, it, they they smelled like the color that they were. So like I always you know, I always wanted to eat them. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> they they kind of made me hungry. I never did it, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's exactly right. And so I was like, I was like, you know. Like those markers were a lot of fun. And it's like, and I bet, you know, I bet like nowadays, you know, with like sort of now this technology these days, like you probably do some of those things from that movie, you know, Charlie and Chuck or yeah, whatever, Willy Wonka. Um, and because oftentimes, you know, uh, what happens is, is in sci-fi uh, books, uh, these guys are literally predicting the future, you know, like scientists get, their ideas that end up actually becoming things from sci-fi books it happens constantly uh and a lot of the times sorry headphones were considered science fiction yeah i mean submarines um you know uh i'll tell you what like actually i had uh, had the pleasure of uh meeting this guy salman khan right um sal khan um khan academy have you ever heard of khan academy yes yeah Sound yeah. So, sound yeah. So, I mean, this guy is a legend, right? Um, he, so I, I, I was talking to him like at a mutual friend's uh, dinner party. And at this point he was still making, I think he was still making the videos himself. So, you know, he had left his cushy, you know, hedge fund job, he graduated from MIT. He was making a lot of bank and he, he noticed, you know, that this thing uh, like that, uh, when he was tutoring his his uh, nieces and nephews, they actually preferred sometimes that he actually record the videos, and uh, because then they could rewind and fast forward, and they didn't have to feel you know like they were taking up his time or feel dumb for asking another question. Hmm. And 
And then he started noticing he, you know, he accidentally left the videos public. He noticed that there were all these comments from people like around the world, like a thousand comments, like, oh wow, I never understood this. Thank you so much. You helped me pass my test, blah, 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 blah. So he's like, wow, there's something here. And so he leaves, uh, he leaves his hedge fund job and starts making videos in his closet. And um starts Khan Academy, um, which is what the it's like. Biggest virtual school in the world is what they call it, right? Free videos, it's all on YouTube. You can learn anything. Um, now, when I was talking to him, he was, I think they they had some, I think they got, I think, funding from the Gates Foundation and stuff by this point. And he was talking about um, his vision for their school. And he was like, yeah, you know, like education is really like kind of like totally backwards. Like you haven't innovated on it at all. We do it the exact same way we did it in like the 1800s or whatever, which is everybody sits in the class. The teacher teaches the lesson, no matter the fact that I may be a visual learner, you may be an auditory learner. Um, you know, we might be at different levels. Maybe there's some concepts, uh, you know, I understood of it and you didn't. And we all just silently sit there and, and dig it. And he's like, actually, um, uh, and you do homework at home. And it's like, good luck. <laughs> um, and so he's like, it actually should be flipped. He's like, actually, like what should happen is, you know, you get videos, you watch them at home, you rewind them, you can, you know, learn how you learn, et cetera, right? Uh, kids can take their own time. Like you use that time for that. When they get into class, they're essentially playing games. They're helping each other. They're improving each other. Oh, you, you set the kid who knows the most about it, you know, with the kid who needs some help and the peers teach each other, right? And I was like, huh. I was like, you know, that sounds like this movie, Ender's, or sorry, this book called uh, Ender's Game. And he was like, yeah. He's like, that's kind of where I got the idea from. Ender's Game. Um, so, you know, you, you, can, you can take a read or watch the movie, which is also good. Um, but yeah, it's like space age thing where, where this is kind of exactly what happens. But the kids are like in this military school in space and they're playing games. That they, they study on their tablets at, at nighttime. And it's another one of those examples of like, you know, art, art making reality, you know, it's like inspires people to, uh, to come up with solutions and, and, you know, consider sort of alternative approaches and that things are possible, you know, it's, so it's, it's crazy that you said that. Cause I was reading up on how the United States education system is the Achilles heel of the United States that mm. most of the people that run the necessary institutions that we need, like like the upper fields in science, the upper fields in technology, and so on and so forth, are picked out through immigrants. Immigrants, like the best of immigrants from South, mm. Southern Asia, the best of immigrants from the Middle East and Europe or Africa and, and South America are picked by the United States and brought to this country. And when people, you know, complain to the government and say, you know, don't yeah. bring in don't bring in these immigrants are taking our job and we need these jobs for Americans. No American is qualified for these jobs. These jobs are very high level, high skilled jobs. Yeah. And, the, and the way our education system set up is not meant for people to be able to do those jobs. So, yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, it, it goes, uh, I actually just read, uh, I'm still reading his book. I'm doing the audio book. Uh, I'm lazy, but uh, it's called The Case for One Billion Americans. We have a space. We do, um, definitely. Mm, interesting, right? 
So, yeah, I mean, you know, immigrants, um, they, they overperform in terms of like um, entrepreneurship and, you know, yeah, like STEM, um, sort of upper level education, all that kind of stuff. Science, technology, engineering, um, math. management. Math <laughs> makes more sense than management. Um, then, uh, so, so yeah, um, also they create jobs, you know? Um, also, they do jobs that nobody else would do. Uh, it's like, we're all, we're a nation of immigrants. Like, you know, it just, it's, yeah, that, that is what it is. So, you know, whoever, whoever it is needs to wrap their, their, their minds around that. And, you know, that, that is the case. But it's also the fact that um, apparently, you know, there's another book. I didn't read it. I, I, I was listening to an interview of the person on, on Marketplace and NPR. It's a great podcast. And we're talking about how much um, our immigration policies have changed over you know, the, the years the, and the, the centuries. Um, good or bad or whatever, but you know, it changed a lot. It has. And for, for reasons. And, and so we, like, it's fluid, you know? Um, and we need to, uh, the worst thing we could do is close off our borders and stuff. I mean, that's not what made this country great in the first place. <laughs> it's the other thing. It's the reverse of that. Um, the only ones yeah. that would pay for that is us. We'd be the ones exactly. losing if we close our borders. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, right now, you know, I'm a big fan of California. I lived in California for a long time. Right now I'm in Texas and this is a nonstop stream of, of companies that are leaving California and moving their, their, you know, um, to Texas, their offices to, to Texas. Yeah. Like, why is why? that? Cause it's, uh, taxes, regulations, um, uh-huh. stuff like that. Yeah. It's just a quote. It's too expensive. You can't get anything done. The you know governments are not, not doing their jobs. Uh, a lot of places, you know, like crime in San Francisco is very high and it's, you know, it's unreasonably so. They don't make the schools better. Like, um, you know, they're taxing more, but what the hell are you doing with it? You know, just ineptitude, really, I think, in a lot of places. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you have to, I don't know how that really relates to exactly immigration, but I think it's hey, just the fact that, you know, these things have effects. You, know? you can talk about whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, which gets me to this, actually, because this is what I want. I want yeah. to ask you about. Do you think AI can ever achieve sentience, which is the the capacity to feel, perceive, or experience subjectively? Have you ever heard of CRISPR, by the way? No, but it sounds familiar. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think I think this is this was in Kurzweil's book. We're thinking before, but CRISPR was uh, so the 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 two women I think who, who. uh, scientists who discovered it won the Nobel Prize this year, I think, um, and for good reason. So, CRISPR is a—it's an acronym. It's they, they, those. I think uh, her name is Jennifer Dudna. She was at Berkeley, and she uh, studying bacteria and how bacteria and viruses sort of interplay. And she's looking at some bacterial DNA, and she started noticing weird. Um, long periods in the DNA, which were repeating, but were were just garbage, nonsense, right? And 
essentially what's been happening is that for 2 billion years, there was nothing alive except bacteria and DNA, uh, viruses. Uh, and all a virus really is, is, is just a, a little bit of, of DNA uh, that just wants to replicate itself, right? That it, we don't, you know, people are still iffy on whether viruses are actually even alive. So uh, what happens is that bacteria, how it fights against it is, um, you know, bacteria is sort of in this like primordial soup of, of stuff and even inside its, its own, uh, its own, you know, let's just call it a little cell. So it's like um, every time it sees a little bit of DNA that it hasn't seen before, like let's say it's a viral DNA, it's got this protein uh, thing that, that so she grabs that DNA, uh, grabs a little bit of DNA, and let's say it's a bit of viral DNA. And this is how you sort of create antibodies, right? Um, so takes it and then grabs it and then takes and scans its DNA and says, have I seen this before? Have I seen this before? Have I seen this before? And if it hasn't seen it before, what it does is it snips the DNA and it adds in that bit of DNA. So now it does have it in its DNA memory so that hopefully it can then combat that virus if it ever does show up and create an antibody for it, right? So that's what bacteria have been doing. So now what they've done is like, wow, that's a really cool concept. Let's repurpose this. So this is essentially what this really is, is what really happens. It's like read, write for DNA, right? For in a living being, um, you could change your DNA. So what does this mean? Like they're already doing this. It's so prevalent that there's like, there's so kids on you know, search for CRISPR. Huh? What did these ladies find? So, so they found that this mechanism, right, that, that bacteria have been using to combat viruses. And what they did is that they, they reused that same mechanism for scientists to go and be able to change DNA, right? So Change DNA yeah. in what? Like in, in humans? Like change our DNA? Yeah, but it's, it's illegal to do it in humans. It's illegal, but China's doing it. <laughs> of course they are. You can't, aren't you allowed you can't to? Aren't you allowed to manipulate your child's DNA before they're born? Like uh, give them like blue eyes and stuff like that. This is a good. This is a good question. So you know, I've heard that there's designer babies and, and whatever, um, <laughs> and they do that at the. I've heard it. Um, I heard it from uh, I think a Lebanese friend, and uh, that that stuff I believe is like done at like the. You know, stem cell, embryonic, not stem cell, but the at the at the embryonic like level, right? So you could do that um, for somebody for somebody who's who's um, not born yet, et cetera. It's a bit, a bit easier. But what I'm talking about is like, let's say you wanted to change your eye color. Um, yeah, they could do that if they knew where the genetic markers were. Then they could do that. And how long would it take? Three months. What? Like currently, yeah. right now in our present reality, they can change yeah. our eye color. Well, that was an example that I made up because you're not allowed to do it uh, you know, to people. And the reason why is a very interesting legal argument. So the legal argument is, is that um, your future uh, you know, descendants had no say in the matter and it affects them too. Isn't that interesting? But wouldn't our future descendants be able to just change themselves too? That's a good point. Um, it's a good point. Does, does I mean, it, I, I'm not, I, I'm not like, uh, 
Does it change your genetic makeup completely, like permanently? Yeah, there's another thing here too. It's like uh, it does, um, but you know, with with CRISPR still now, now they, they've even evolved past the, the first uh, the first mechanism, and they've started developing even better ones with more accuracy and, and stuff like that, right? Um, so there is though something called a gene drive as well. So apparently, like CRISPR, CRISPR will work. Right for your cells, etc. But like, let's say when you have kids, um, there's another transfer back over into what's going to be changed and what's going to be passed along to them. So there's another innovation that I believe that somebody made called a gene drive, so that this can happen like into the next generation as well. So to be honest with you, I'm a little iffy on the subject myself. I like I, I know as much of, of of about it to explain it to you like as as that, <laughs> but. Um, even though I studied bioengineering, I can't, I can't really go to tell you too much more, but yeah, it's fascinating, man. It's super fascinating. It's scary to an extent, but it's also really, really cool. I mean, like, uh, I believe they're going to, they're going to get rid of mosquitoes because they're going to essentially like, um, you know, change the DNA. They've already changed the DNA, genetically modified mosquitoes that can't reproduce. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. What's yeah. what's even the point of mos- mosquitoes? Like I don't I, I don't even understand. I, I'm with you. The purpose. I'm with you. Huh. Yeah, I don't think that. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, you got that god about that one. <laughs> I mean, everything in life seems to have a purpose, which is which is pretty cool. Yeah. You know, like yeah. Keystone species. You know, I was yeah. I, I heard that one genetically one out of five people are related to Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan. Yeah, I look. I think the number is twenty million people. Um, look it up. Um, just to make sure I'm right, but I'm pretty sure it's 20 million people. And I mean, Genghis Khan is a fascinating thing. I don't know. I mean, it's a very long, long podcast that I suggested to you to to listen to. It's called Hardcore History. It's um, it for, a guy named Dan. Huh? It wasn't for free, was it? I don't think it was. You know, it, I think the old episodes cost something, but I guess, I'll it. I guess. Yeah, okay. Okay. Because yeah, everything but, about Genghis Khan, like, is always like short. They don't even go into details about him. But he seemed like a very interesting yeah. person because he was diplomatic, but at the same time, like, he was I a peaceful. So much. He was like a no. peaceful, violent person all at yeah. once. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. So, um, yeah, he was so. He was very misunderstood. Uh, oops. Okay. Um, totally misunderstood in terms of um, the Mongols. So, like, you know, growing up, like, I, I would always conceive the Mongols, think that they're just, like, a horde. They have a lot of people, and they're just, like, you know, really barbaric and blah, blah, blah you know? And they just, like, mob, mob this, and, like, that's how they won, right? That was, like, my, my conception about it. Maybe they're just really good, good sort of fighters, okay? Uh, and there's a lot of them. Um, and that's really kind of what historians used to think. But um, historians apparently... Um, like grossly um, misunderstood mis- uh, the numbers uh, because the Mongols were able to show up in so many places um, conceptually for them at the same time that they couldn't conceive that the numbers could, could be any, any smaller. But whereas is that the rest of the world moves at or armies at the, of, of that time moved at the speed of like their supplies, uh, the Mongols were able to move at the speed of a horse. 
because they were step people and like their entire their entire lives like you know revolved around horse so i mean they drink you know they drink horse milk they'll drink horse blood um for nutrients they you know one would ride on with with many many horses so they would just switch over when one got tired you know uh, things like that um but that's not even like sort of the 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 interesting stuff i mean um so in this in this podcast like Dan Carlin talks about how uh, if he, and not just he, but if you're to rank like the best military strategist ever, ever in human history, Genghis Khan would be number one. And his lieutenants like would probably take some spots on that list too. Um, and he wasn't given an army. Like, um, you know, the guy, his dad apparently was, was like a tribal chieftain or whatever who got killed. And then Genghis Khan was like a slave as a boy and um, just basically, you know, got lucky and like fought his way out. But what he realized then from that is uh, sort of the concept of meritocracy is that like, you know, um, like good, useful talent can come from anywhere. Right. Not just, you know, my uh, tribe. princes. Yeah. Not just, yeah. Not just my tribe and not just princes. Right. And so at that time, like, you know, the, if you think about the world at the time, it's, it's basically like uh, the step, like we're Russia and, you know, all of the like, kind of central Asian European countries and stuff like are right now um, and China, like you consider that to be like, just like a sea of just like grass and it's windy and mountains and there's rocks, you know, and not much there. And on the other sides of that, You've got, you know, China on the right and huge, huge, you know, civilization. And then on the left, you got like Muslim civilizations. And on top, you've got some Russian. Um, but more or less, you know, the, the steppe nomads would, 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 um, wouldn't really like coalesce and kind of come together. They would have their own separate tribes and, and kind of just deal with that. Like what Genghis Khan kind of grew up in. Every once in a while, though, they, they, they coalesce, right? And it's almost this wave that comes crashing onto like the shores of, of like China on the right or like Iran or whatever on the right on the left. Like in China, like these different civilizations they've had um, or dynasties like often came from these types of like sort of step nomads taking over. And then very quickly though, like step nomad life sucks. You know, you're like um, you're wearing you know tattered things. Like you know, food is is not very like prevalent. It's a shitty life. So, you know, very quickly they become more Chinese right? Or they, on that side or they become more Muslim on the, on the left side. And that's kind of what, what would happen. So in any case, um, Genghis Khan, best military strategy in the world, meritocracy. So, you know, things like um, after battle, uh, he brought this guy from the losing side in front of him and said, hey, weren't you that guy who almost killed me with your, with your arrow? And the guy, he's like, yeah, that was me. And Genghis Khan was like, dude, like, Join my team, or or I'll kill you. But join my team, right? So that's what it was like. So you know, uh, even with he his, would, even with his, um, him. yeah, his blood brother that that betrayed him. He even, oh yeah, he killed that guy, right? He yeah, like but he, he only killed that guy because his blood brother asked him to kill him. Yeah, because ah. Angus Khan told him like, hey, listen, join my team, even though I just yeah. defeated your whole army you know, yeah. being on my side. And he was like, no, yeah. I, I can't like, you have to honorably kill me. So. Wow. I mean, that's, it's crazy. Right. I mean, just such smart thinking, like, right. Like 
Wow. So, and you could tell kind of why he kicked everybody's ass because, um, you know, so he gets enough of these people together, right? And like, that's a guy that, that probably a lot of people would, would come and, and sort of fight for, uh, or at least, like, you know, uh, believe it, right? If you're a step nomad person. So then, um, you know, they're not just in a vacuum. It's not like they don't know the rest of the world exists. Like um, his, his sort of dominion grows and grows and grows. And he bumps up, up on, let's just talk about the Muslim side. So he he bumps up against both sides. He goes to China, you know, and like he takes the best technology, the best, he learns things all the time, right? And so he learns kind of what's going on over there. Um, and some Chinese come and join him as well, right? Like he doesn't make anybody change to his religion but what he does say is like you pay me taxes and you do what i say like my state goes and if you don't then it's like it's curtains um and you know th- it actually really provided stability and safety and, and stuff like um nobody was nobody was, was interested in breaking the law right um they knew what was going to happen so um so then he you know he goes to the Shah of Khwarezm Empire on the left side, on the on the Muslim side, and on both sides in China and in in uh, the Khwarezm Empire and all other these places, there are monarchies, right? And what are monarchies? Like we were just talking about, um, you know, similarities and groupings of people or whatever, right? Uh, you know, you got the monarch over there; they're infighting on the top. You know, they're all a bunch of spoiled spoiled guys on top, and they want to stay there, and so. Who's in charge of people on their side? You know, idiot cousins. <laughs> who's uh, who's Genghis Khan got? You know, the best, like the best from everywhere, right? Um, he was kind of like the America some, of the time in a, in a way, just yeah, grabbing the from best the best parts of it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Or what we should uh, hopefully keep America too, you know, or inspire to meritocracy, right? And so he would roll up, and, and his team was obviously much better than theirs. But here's how he he actually approached the Shah of Khwarezm. So. He actually had Muslim people living in, in his uh, dominion too, Genghis Khan did. So he sent them, you know, uh, to trade. So he says, basically, look, I'm I'm the ruler of everything over here. You're the ruler of everything over there. You know, I'd like for us to be uh, partners in trade. And here is a caravan full of, like, you know, great stuff, gold and stuff like that. And the Shah acquires an empire at the point. He is incensed. Actually, his dad told him, do not go and uh, and and mess with this other uh, kind of country, empire, whatever, to be, that buffers us between them and what's on the other side because you do not want any piece of that. Shah of Khwarezm Empire uh, is very very arrogant. So this is this is in does, Persia, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, this... Persia, Afghanistan, yeah. And so he, um, what does he do? He he cuts off the, uh, I think he cuts off the heads of, of the, the people in the trade caravan, takes all the stuff, and just go fuck off, right? So and he sends he, the head back to Genghis Khan. Oh, yeah. Genghis Khan is like, all right. He takes a deep breath. He does it again. <laughs> sends a caravan, etc. And Shah Khurzam, again. He fucks around and finds out. So then Genghis Khan sends him a letter with somebody, and he says... If you had not committed such great sins, your God would have never sent me for you. (laughs) 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 That's some cold shit, right? Yeah. Yeah. That is the best. That is the best thing I've ever heard. I mean, wow. 
And then he absolutely demolishes the Muslim world. He de- oh. he destroyed the Muslim world, the first the oh. first era of Muslim yeah. world. And oh yeah, everything, everything. I mean, and but at this point, it wasn't Genghis Khan who did it; it was his his you know descendants. Um, but they 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 were on another level. They kicked everybody in China's ass. They kicked everybody in this place's ass. Um, they were unstoppable. Like the only thing that kept them from going all the way to you know the Atlantic and France was they had already beaten I don't know what country it was. Um, Whatever. It was the Germanic countries. It was like the, the Eastern Europe, Eastern Europe, like yeah. the Germanic countries. Yeah. So it was one of those countries and, um, you know, they, they wiped the floor with those guys and they were about to go. It's a clear, clear path to the basket all the way to France. And, uh, the, the, the Khan, whoever was the leader at the time died. And so then they got to go back. I think for, it was uh, Genghis Khan maybe. that was still in charge then. Um, I was. I, yeah, you know, I, I'm not sure about the, the, the specifics, but he wasn't there in in those areas. It was it was somebody else. But yeah, yeah. He got he recalled was, back. He was he, back he in the died capital. quite early. Apparently, I mean, these guys were not a very living a very healthy life, you know. So yeah, um, yeah so I think he died of alcohol poisoning or something. Genghis Khan did very early. But um, in any case, that's that's the reason. I mean, that's a really big reason as well. Um, reason not an excuse that you know uh the economies of europe um sort of progressed past this and meanwhile what i what i heard on that podcast was that you took satellite photos and they looked down in baghdad and and um baghdad didn't go back to how big it was from after Genghis Khan raised it to until like uh around 2000 wow yeah Baghdad was apparently like there was blood until the ankles or the knees. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a it was quote like, from yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a quote from the um, from the Crusaders in Jerusalem, like the, the blood uh, of the Saracens was. Yeah, no, but yeah, I mean, it was bad. I mean, it was it was like we listen to this podcast, and as a Muslim, it's hard to listen to this, and this happened, and it's I mean, oof. but then you feel that way, you know. You got to feel that way about everybody, you know, but um, the way that, you know, we're, we're, we're very proud, I think, of our, of our history, some parts of our history, at least. And it's tough to hear this, you know, the way we were it, demolished. I mean, we made a, we made a comeback afterwards a little bit, but not nearly like it was, there was there was a couple of people who ever defeated the Mongols, really. And one of them were. Uh, the Mamluk Seljuk, the Mamluk Turks are in Egypt, actually. Um, they actually were, um, they were brought over uh, to essentially be the army for, for somebody in Egypt. And uh, they had skills, they had some game. And, and so they, they actually defeated the, the Mongols um, for one. The Prophet, peace be upon him, act, ha, has a Prophesized that the Mongols would be the destruction of his empire. Oh no, no, no! Like he, oh. he was saying, red-haired people from the east will 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 come and destroy. So, <laughs> so it wasn't wrong. Yeah, it wasn't wrong. You know, it's funny. It goes even like you know. I mean, worldwide, like um, so very quickly. You know, but you know, like we're saying, like 
um, Mongol life sucks. Step life sucks. So, I mean, very quickly they became Muslim. They uh, that's what became the Mughals. Um, they were called the I forgot the golden the golden herd or something like that, golden horde. And um, yeah, I mean, after I mean, they're, they're they're terrible at governance, just really good at at, at sort of um, you know, kicking ass in in military. But on the other side of stuff, uh, other side of the map now, going back, apparently. You know, Japan has is also such an interesting case because they've been so independent and they're so like you know they're they're, they're so um, homogenous, right? And one of the reasons were twice the Mongols sent an armada uh, to Japan, and twice a typhoon um, destroyed the armada. <laughs> hmm. That's how Japan evaded it. <laughs> that was lucky for them. That is yeah, lucky for them, just like it was lucky for Europe. Uh, otherwise, you know, it would have been a bit. Europe was extremely lucky because Europe's was a was a frivolous reason, just straight up. Oh, come back yeah. for the funeral. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, yeah. we'll spare destroying you and raping like, your. Oh, but there's a yeah, but I was like, there's a hoop, there's the hoops right there. I could. <laughs> yeah, if only man. Yeah, no, but everybody got everybody got theirs. I mean, the Russians also really um, were very arrogant uh, at the time. They got. They got creamed as well. Everybody got a taste. It's, it's a but at the same thing. time, then, I mean, it's both like, it's both just mind blowing. It's like, it's also, you know, it's very, uh, you know, it, it's, it's tough to listen to when you see, when you hear the details and stuff. But then at the same time, like, um, why the guy, you got to admire the guy in terms of his strategy. Like, they were levels and levels. You know, like, they knew what was happening in the Khwarezm Empire. Why? Because they had like a network of spies. A network of spies. They had like um, they they thought of like you know the the postal service, like they actually had that before. Like they were innovators. They they were like uh, the world's best at something, no doubt. Um, they weren't just you know good fighters. Like um, you know the last elect the last last election when it was Clinton versus Trump. You know I was I was reading this this book on Mongol military strategy and it was like about how. They, they would often do this thing. It was like a false faint, you know, like rope-a-dope, like Muhammad Ali, um, where, you know, you, you come to, you come in front of an overconfident uh, opponent um, and you essentially like fake, uh, like you're sort of giving up. So they follow you. You know, they, they, they were like, yeah, let's go for the kill. And then, then, you know, your entire other army is like, you know, waiting in a pincer movement and then you demolish them. And like Muhammad Ali with the rope-a-dope, right? Like, you know, like on the ropes, you know, acting like he's he's getting. Then you know when the guys all all uh, sort of spent and um, uh, vulnerable, you know, then you come in and and that's what I thought was I thought I literally thought that Hillary Clinton was was this like smart and strategic and was like there's she's got a hundred million dollars in the bank and a whole lot of lawyers and you know she knows like a concession speeches and I was like I literally thought she was doing like a you know to a false faint. And uh, no, nope. no, she wasn't. <laughs> she just sucked. <laughs> she just sucked. So. Yeah, <laughs> she just she just underestimated her opponent, which is a terrible yep. thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so I gotta ask you, man. Uh, you've done a lot of things in the tech world. Um, yeah. What? How has you know your? How has Islam? How has religion influenced your work? Yeah. 
Yo, or, so, or has it even inspired anything that you've created or done? Huh. Well, inspired, I can't say. I don't. I mean, I, I think about it. You know, I, I think about ways. I think about ways it comes in for sure. Um, whether any of those have materialized into like I would like a, a startup, a company, or whatever. Like, no, not yet. Um, but I've thought about it a lot and research it and you know put some time in to creating like a plan um you know for things like um yeah like muslim communities um like you know masjids like what are they missing uh, stuff like that so definitely thought about it but haven't done anything but it has affected me like life-wise right like um i um yeah, I'm not, I'm not like uh, I don't read the Quran every day. I, I'm not very much into sort of uh, you know like rituals. Like for me, like I uh, I think my responsibility is to maximize like you know the goodness that I can do in my life, and, and sort of like that's that's kind of what it's about for me. And it can be other things to other people, and I'm okay with that. Um, but but I do think that there's like you know um, incredible incredible like you know wisdom there right like constantly right isn't there a, a um, sentence or phrase right this is a book of, for men of understanding right for wisdom so there, there's stuff there um my favorite is wal asr and not because it's also the shortest uh surah <laughs> but but also like i i think somebody told me once that like uh some scholars said that like look if you just took this one like this would probably be sufficient for you to live like a good life. And if you think about it, I've thought about it a lot, right? Like I, I, I can't say like I, 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 you know, memorize a lot, but it's good. You know, like, think about time, readily by time. Man is in loss. Except those who have faith. But Basically, like boils down to for me, like what I got out of it was like, um, there's like three things in there, right? It was like, okay, like people are lost, okay, except for what? Well, except for faith, you have faith and like consistency in the faith, Amanu uh, Deen, uh, right? Courage, Haq, right? And patience. So this is actually like a recipe for success. For a successful life, right? And if you think about it, just you know, with those three, you're like, okay, well, faith. Let's say like faith and and sort of you know, uh, dean, right? Is is like is is vision, you know, as well as faith, right? It, it's like our uh, our dean, I guess, is like a way the world should work, right? You know, um, like yeah, I mean, it, it's a drive, it's vision, and, and it's faith, you know, all all into one, and then. Um, Huck, courage to do what you can, what you should. Huck like, is, um, I would say, enjoying it. In what's also Huck is is more like justice or justice, good or right, righteousness. Is, yeah, yeah. Um, and like it's what it is like you know. Oftentimes, it's like enjoying good, do this, do good, right? Like, and if you can't, it's like 
if you can change something with your act if, by your actions, then change it with your actions. If you can't change your actions, then change it with your words. If you can't change your words, then change your thought. Or yeah? how so can it like also be truth? Stuff. Yeah, yeah, but it's like it, it is truth. But it's like the uh, you know the way I, I sort of interpret it is like courage. It's like do this is what you need to go do. Do it right. If you can't do it this way, then do it that way. If you can't do it this way, it's a waterfall stuff. But like, what does that mean? It's like you know you're not you know you, you don't get to dodge that responsibility, right? So that's courage. So hmm. you don't stop doing that ever, right? Right. So that's courage, right? And then the last one is is patience, right? The patience to persevere. So then, you know, if you think about it for me or you wrap it all up, you're like, okay, well, um, it, this applies to business. You're like, okay, you, ha you have a vision, right? You have faith that you're going to get there. Okay. Then you do what you need to do consistently to, to do it, right? Courage and patience. You have the long lastingness to, to, you know, make it happen. Right. Um, and when, you know, when you, um, when you take one of these things out of the equation, it also is a recipe for disaster, right? You're like, if you have patience and, and courage, but you don't know where you're going, well, hey, you're going to go in the wrong direction a lot for a long time. Like, that's not going to be great. Um, if you have, you know, courage and you have um, faith. faith and the idea, you got the, the thing you want, but you have no patience. First time you're going to get, you know, knocked on your ass, you're out. Um, and if you have faith where you want to go, vision, etc., and you have patience, but you don't do anything, you're not going anywhere. Mm. Yeah. You're changing nothing. You're just going to be talking with other people incensed about how the world is frustrated, complaining, but doing nothing yourself about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really cool way to look at it. I've never, I've never yeah. looked at it that way. I'll even add on that. Uh, which is what God uses as evidence for that we are all uh, that humanity is constantly at loss. He's He's using time, yeah, yeah. As, as proof that we are constantly at loss. And yeah, not any time. He's using an Asr time, which is when humans usually come out of work, when farmers are done farming, when people are ending their day. And mm. so he's using that and he's swearing by the time that, you know, you're ending your day, that you're mm. done with all your work. Yeah. yeah. You are surely at loss. Right. It's like, yeah, yeah. Just look about how you, how'd your day go? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's really cool. It, it, it's a really cool religion and it's, it's widely misunderstood. Uh, and so I widely misunderstood. Very. So I, widely misunderstood. Like, I, I think, you know, when I look at, the other thing I think about is, is, um, gratitude right and so i think that there is i mean religion is such a powerful thing it can be right but there's two ways to look at it and obviously it can be like you know it can be used and taken advantage of and made 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 for made as a trap for for people but so can anything like, right? a, like huh? we can't so can anything like we can't say that the internet is evil because of the oh, way of people use it. Yeah, you know? right, right, right. No, that, yeah, you're right. That goes for anything. Yeah, it goes for anything powerful. Yeah, they're, they're, it's a double-edged sword, right? No doubt, you're right. Um, but like, I think, I think that there, there's, there's like an empowering version of a religion and there's a slave version of a religion, right? Like, um, you know, you can think about gratitude as, um, some people think about gratitude as, as ah, Thanks, God. I can't complain. Life could be worse, right? 
um, so suffering silently, just shutting up and just bearing your life. That's one way. And then a lot of people like sort of go go and, and sort of you know think this way. Um, and for me, that that doesn't make any damn sense. Um, for me, it's like you no, know, like if you're grat- if you're grateful for something, well, what that mean? That would mean like you know that you acknowledge it, you think about it, and then you go in and make the most of it. You use it, right? So you know, if, if somebody gave me a gift, um, and I was like, oh yeah, thanks. Thanks. I didn't look at it. Didn't know what it was. Didn't use it at all. Just chucked it into the side. You know, is that being grateful? Nope. It really isn't. Um, so again, like if you look at it, like gratefulness here as a way to empower your life, what are you doing? Well, you're taking stock of your resources. What's around you? Who's around you? What can we do together? You know, and then you apply. The well, also thing. Well, that that means you can change stuff. You can change, change the world. You can change your 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 life. So, you know, I'm talking about like I guess one of the the business ideas or whatever. Like, for the purposes of good, I mean, is there needs to be? And I'm now I'm going to say the worst version of it. There needs to be a uh, a Joel Austin for the Muslim world. Uh, <laughs> The worst, yeah, that was a bit, you know, I knew, I couldn't think of a better, a better example of it. Oh, no. What I mean is, like, use the best parts of it. Like, it should be, my, my uh, yardstick for, for religion or however you want to, for religion, right, is, like, it needs to make society better. It needs to make your life better. Um, and there's probably more, but it's, you know, if, if the... If the point of the religion is um, some points board <laughs> for something that nobody can prove that is ever going to happen after this, and we'll make it up to you, and you know all that bad shit that that uh, you have that happened, and you're a slave, and you know sit there silently, don't don't complain about it. Um, that doesn't fly with me. <laughs> yeah, doesn't fly with me. What do you What do you mean by that? Like, uh, like you're talking. So, I, like there's 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 sort of um there's versions of this in other religions and like I I I, um, I it's not my intention to sort of pick on any other religion I think it's the same same there's probably elements not in Islam but there's elements of people using it in a similar way negatively in Islam right uh, and taking advantage of people. I'm taking advantage of people. And um, what uh, I'll give you some examples um, from from other places. So um, African Americans uh, who are here and, and were slaves, you know, um, they they were they were they were taught a version of Christianity uh, wherein um, one of Noah's sons committed some sin. It was bad. That's why they're black. Blackness is bad. You know, that slavery is, is like almost, you know, ordained by God. It's okay and, for them and to do this. Noah, Noah swore on that son's child that he would be a slave. Yeah. Something like that. Right. And, and so that was the thing, right? And they're like, that was the thing. And the other thing was like, um, oh, just wait until heaven. It'll get better there. Don't worry about it. You know? This is what, don't worry about it. It'll get better in heaven, right? Which is, 
Uh, anybody can kick that story to anybody. You know, I could make, I could, I could do that. Uh, you know, no problem. It's very easy to sell that. Okay, so then, um, then let's talk about you know. Then, then it's like you know, um, uh, caste system in Hinduism is like no social mobility whatsoever. If you're an untouchable, it's your. You know why your life is so shitty? Is because you committed a sin in your previous life. That's why you're poor. And also, you don't have any, and, and you should feel bad about it. And you, um, I'm not even going to touch you. I'm not even going to drink from a cup that you touched. And I don't want any, and don't want you anywhere near me. Just go and, and clean up the streets. That's, that's a version. Yeah, no, I completely mentality. understand what you're saying, and that that's completely yeah. correct. And you, people don't people don't realize that that when we pray to God in, in, in Islam, for example, Muslims don't even realize it that we ask for this world and the next. It's not just this, just not. And in May, even when God said how the prayer goes, He said this world first, and then He said the next yes. second. You know, like right. there's no yeah. such like you know, it's like I, I at least I'd like to. I like to do the things that that like I can, uh, I can do. I can change. I have some effect over. Those are my responsibilities. Like the unseen, the next world, I'm never gonna know about it. I can't do anything about it. Um, it it is gonna be what it is. And you know what's my responsibility is, is I see it is um, is here. You know, and that. That's what I like to focus on, just sort of with my life and, and just with, with sort of things in general. There's no reason to sort of, you know, worry, I guess, about things that you don't have control over. I'd rather, you know, I, I'd like to, like, you know, be grateful for my life and, and, and sort of maximize my uh, my utility to do good, make make the world a better place. And I think, you know, I'd be happy with that and, and sort of my, my, yeah, I like, that, that's that's the way I want to live my life. Um, and, you know, with regards to, like, uh, since we're talking about it, I, I didn't write it down, and I don't know. Um, you know, I guess I find it funny, some things in Islam, right? Uh, some not, I shouldn't even say in Islam, because it's like, there is no Islam. It's like, there's people's, you know, interpretations of it. And we're not monolithic by any means, right? And, like, um, so... Some people, I, I find there's there's things where like, um, if you think about, uh, for instance, like you know, there's a lot of hadith, right? That are about uh, there might be some you know, there's some time on Friday you say a prayer, you know, and it's worth more, <laughs> or you know, there's a day Laylatul Qadr, right? Um, where you you get a multiplier, you get a bonus multiplier, right? Uh, for praying. So what? So it's a points-based system, right? And then there's these like you know special bonus hours, and they're hidden. And so um, what? Like effectively, then you like you think about the dynamic, right? And you're like, okay, so then uh, it's a points, it's a game, and it's a point system, and um, you're essentially effectively trying to do the least amount of work to get the most amount of points. So, and you know, what is that dy dynamic? You're like, what? You're, you're gonna pull? You're trying to pull one on God? Like, that's the point of these things? Um, I get a pull multiplier, yes, you know. <laughs> or, um, you know, I, I, I go and uh, I, one of my friends from Turkey, like, I guess it's common that 
Um, some people have a, a belief that once you go to Hajj, then your previous sins are erased. So they just live it up. And it's like, you know, and they use Hajj and they're like, yes, they're clean. Like, yeah, it's got free, done. Um, it's not necessarily that that these hadiths are incorrect as much as the way that people use them are incorrect or, or they're trying, as you said, they're trying to pull a fast one on God. It's not going to work. And yeah, God always says just, like, that's not my, you know, if you think, if they think about it clearly, like that's, that's the dynamic then. And, or the dynamic is that, uh, you know, God needs your prayers. Like he's hungry for his prayers, 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 prayers. <laughs> and he needs them. And I don't believe that that's the case either. I, I uh, for me, I'm just telling about for me. And I have very different views and I, I know that. And that's why I'm not sure why I, 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 um, I am putting my views out there. Um, but, um, well, I'll tell you, you know, this. for me, it's, for me, it's like, yeah. um, you know, I I don't think that it works that way. I don't think that God is some you know sycophant, narcissist guy who needs our prayers. I think that it helps us pray, and it helps me to pray. You know, um, it it knowing that that there is something bigger than you. And understanding that not everything is in your control and um, expressly saying like what your hopes, your dreams are, your intentions, what you want to do, um, knowing it, saying it, uh, thinking it uh, all at the same time um, and having a direct link to your creator, you know. Uh, direct, like that is is powerful, like in itself. Um, without, like, for me, I don't need any points system attached to it. Um, for me, that's enough, you know. And and it makes sense to me. Um, and then you know, yeah. I mean, when I was young, I remember, like, you know, probably like everybody, like, you know, you you anthropomorphize God. To an extent, right? Like because that's just your frame of reference. Like you know, what like, do you, you, what do you mean God by is that? Like, oh. well, you know, like you ask a kid, like you know, what does God look like, right? And he's gonna come up with like Santa Claus, like something like that, like yeah, with the beard, and you know, like look at cartoons. Um, you know, it's it's kind of clear that that's how we sort of think about it. But you when take take away all the like the kind of funny stuff from what I just said, and it, it still holds true. Like as an entity, as like um, mostly as a male, um, and he, right? Like we, we, I, and I don't know. You know, I've come to the point where I'm like, you know, I don't know what what God is, what who he is, like all that stuff. I I know, uh, I know what I know of it of him. Like I, um, and I'm secure in, in sort of my is it is a foundational sort of um, belief. Or or, or uh, conviction that I have, um, but but then past that, you know, it's uh, I, I don't know, it's it's very you know fuzzy for me in terms of like what exactly God is. 
I mean, that that's the way it should be, right? Because you, no one knows who God is or what yeah. he looks like. or And we, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you that the Islamic belief is that God is beyond gender. God is not a he or she, but that we refer to him as a he because that's just the default setting when it comes to the Arabic language. Yeah, uh, right. So, but I'll, I'll tell you like my perspective on the the point system as he put it i didn't, i've never even <laughs> heard it like that but like for example the laylatul qadr which is like the night of a thousand months um i think it's a form of mer- <laughs> i think it's a form of mercy from god because we could we, we as a, as humans commit you know sins and hurt each other every single day whether we realize it or not uh, and so there's like these, basically these freebies, there, there's these ways to just multiply your good deeds without you ever even having to work that hard. It, it, God even explains like an Islamic theology that, you know, he created you to forgive you. He created you to actually, he, well, once you were born, you were given a house in heaven immediately, but never a house in hell. That's kind of like God's mentality. And so uh, even Laylatul Qadr, the, the night of a thousand months, which is located, which is within Ramadan, where we fast for 30 days, we don't know when it is. So it kind of promotes for you to always be on your yeah. grind so that you yeah. don't, don't worry about that when it sense. is. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that, 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 that part is it's, that's a good that's a good tactic, no matter what. I mean, that, yeah, that's just good. That's good uh, game mechanics. Uh but no, I that that part makes good. You know, that that part makes sense to me. But it's like, I guess the disconnect for me is like, okay, um, you know, with regards to like sins, um, or actually, let's let's talk about sort of Ramadan. Which something that that was always interesting to me. I think is like um, like the concept of what was it? the hadith was like you know all of the shaitan are locked up during Ramadan. Like the small ones, yeah. So, so this is interesting. They're like, uh, well, what happens in like a Muslim society in Ramadan? Well, well, everybody is doing the same thing. They're all fasting, right? So, you know, then like you take away elements of society uh, that can promote um, not helpful things, evil things, or or um, you know, just bad things maybe go around like you know nafs or, or or whatever right uh because everyone's on the same the same thing so it changes society for a bit so th- like they got me thinking about about that with regards to 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 ramadan it's like well, some of these things like perhaps are more um are more like you said language um metaphors to describe sort of the interactivities between life between people like uh and society right like um, you know, when you think about um, shaitan, this is a totally interesting concept, I think, as well. The devil, just so English speakers no, don't yeah, know sure. what shaitan is. Yeah, the devil. Sure, sure. sure. So, um, so was like I mean, the, the the story, right? Is that um, he was he was with the angels, uh, but then got brought out Adam, and then well. What did Shaitan say? Shaitan says, uh, who's he? I don't need to, I don't need this guy. I, I don't need to, to bow down to him. I am good all by myself, right? So what's that? That's arrogancy, right? And it's interesting because 
Well, if you think about Islam, like what's Islam? Islam is like balance. It's interconnectivity, right? It is promoting that all life is connected, right? That there's rights between each other, there's connections between us all and to our environment and to all living things, right? And the opposite of that is arrogance, right? Is that I don't need any of you. I'm good by myself. Um, and this is why, you know, this is kind of what forms a bit of my sort of like, I guess, a mental framework for thinking about everything else, like including like the internet, including technology. Like um, when we get, when we get together, we get efficiencies. We are better together. Um, everything is connected. Um, so that means like more connections equal more value, equal um, a better world. Um, and that quote back to uh, what Obama had requoted somebody for saying, um, you know, this is, this is the arc of history, right? It is towards connectedness, right? It is, we're all getting more and more and more and more and more and more connected. And what it does, like, well, it, it, it promotes justice, in fact, right? Or it can, unless it's under somebody else's control, right? And like one person, um, that's, that, those things are evil, right? Um, those power structures, et cetera. But like the, that what's happening right now is like, is, is, is beautiful. You know, with regards to the internet, uh, I, a lot. I, I don't know because we, we again, just like religion, we as humans are using the internet in a not so great way. But there's a lot well, of again, like a lot of great things the internet is used for. You know? Yeah. Way. Well, I totally. Um, you know, it, it's also we uh, think about Saman Khan and think about Saman Khan. Think about Khan Academy and don't think about um, you know, me or you or somebody in, in the United States and what it's done for them. Think about, you know, some kid in a village in Africa and he's literally learning, you know, calculus. Um, that's very right? true. I, I didn't look at it like that at all. That the internet doesn't. Yeah. And think about, you know, think about like, even in America, think about things like food deserts, you know, or like, uh, because of power structures, because of, of um, uh, not uh, because of the inability, um, you know, to, to sort of no demand and supply and et cetera. Like, you know, there's there's communities in, in inner cities that, you know, don't have grocery stores. Right. Like somebody's somebody somewhere just decided that, hey, all these people just need our liquor stores. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. How hmm. unjust is that? Yeah. Um, there's food deserts in places that make our food, like, you know, in California along the highway five, you know, you'll run into a whole bunch of farms yet. These people don't have grocery stores themselves or, or restaurants or, or anything, you know, hmm. I didn't know about the food deserts though. That, oh yeah. Yeah. That, come to think about it. I've never really seen like a, like a Costco in a, in a poor area. Yeah, it doesn't exist. But you know, now that there's the internet, um, like a, a poor single mother who cares about you know her kids eating uh, good food can now order you know organic food. Uh, internet's made that possible. So it's I'm, empowering I'm, people all over the place. Yes, and at the same time, it's uh, you know it humans. Can. Yeah, humans. Oops. 
Because the, the only reason I, I bring this up is because I, I think people always just stick to religion and say, oh, religion has brought nothing but problems and all this stuff. And it's like, uh, well, look at the Internet. The Internet is is completely a great, you know, idea. It's amazing. Just like just like religion is and it can improve your life. It can make everything better. But here we are with you know warfare over the internet now you know now warfare in modern warfare is through the internet cyber, through yeah. manipulating civilians so yeah there's that and there's cyber warfare and a whole bunch of other stuff and you know it's not all it's not all great and i'm not saying it's, it's, it's it is like i had a friend who she was um she was responsible for like user safety at um at a company that had a product that was like um big company that had a product that was like, you know, uh, live, live video, right? And, um, and people had sort of hashtags on the bottom. And uh, oftentimes, um, there'd be people who were lonely, they would commit suicide. And on, on the live thing, right? And they try to find as quickly as possible to stop this, or even worse, you know, like uh, child pornography, things like that. And what you notice on the bottom of one of these, these suicide ones is like there was a hashtag and you click on the hashtag and it goes to others that did it at the same time. So these people, the internet helped bring together people who were lonely and didn't solve their loneliness. It, it, Yeah. Just like, brought them to kill each other, uh, kill kill themselves together. Together, yeah. Wow, that's 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 weird. Yeah, yeah, that's really weird. I've never even. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, I read an article about the recruitment tactics of, you know, not just ISIS, but also, um, you know, white white nationalist um, groups, and you know, where do they recruit from? Are chat rooms and like. Who goes to a chat room? Lonely people. Oh, They're like yeah, you know, like okay, where's where's them? You know, not I. There, there was a story about a, a a girl went through her life, and and you know, she grew up in I think like Washington and Oregon State, one of those. She was poor. She had like you know, uh, nobody in life really. Parents were gone. She was raised by her grandmother. You know, uh, no friends, and you know, ISIS. ISIS was able to recruit her as, as like a bride, et cetera. Like, cause who else is talking to her? Like, okay, where's, you know, where's, where's the church? Where's the mosque then? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, we're like technology can prove stuff, but Hey, if you have to use it, you use it wisely. And you know, you, we, we self-correct. I know we will like, that's, um, that's how it goes, you know, but I, I, I think, I really do feel like, you know, uh, like back to William Wesley, like um, kindness and like, you know, um, um, you know, just being a good person is not just, uh, it's not something that, that necessarily costs money. It actually can help you be better, be smarter, um, perform make well, make money, make money. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the best form of making money. Like back, back, was, yeah, back to game, yeah, back to game theory. For example, if if uh, corporations in America 
were to cooperate with their citizens and employees and give their citizens and employees, especially the impoverished ones, more money, then in the long run, you know, these these citizens and employees would be more empowered through money to buy products and buy services. And that would end up in the hands of that corporation that gave them the money in the first place. And so they would actually be investing in their own environment. And the long run immediately becomes a short run. And so really the corporations investing themselves in the future, yeah. but in, but instead they just use that money to give it to their investors and give it to their CEOs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's, um, yeah, I mean, so things like that for me, like uh, it makes perfect sense. Like, you know, when, when I think about, you know, you were talking about, I think you're talking about algorithm bias. Um, and like, I guess the, the ways that I've seen algorithm bias uh, pop up in the news more than anything else is like, like uh, facial recognition and, um, you know, not being able to recognize people of certain races and things like that. And um, not not essentially just not caring for for those cases, right? And um, the way I think about it, business sense wise, and just like you know, life sense wise, is when I think about sort of a racist uh, now, like um, I don't really. It's not for me. It's not like moral um, moral indignation. I don't have like a I'm past like a moral problem for it. I, I think there's like a much stronger argument for it, which is like you're an idiot. <laughs> And like this is a dumb way of like um, putting people into buckets. It's it's an arbitrary thing. Uh, races, um, and uh, those are larger and larger segments of your potential customers or your employees or whatever. So you know if you just ignore them, you don't understand them, you don't really care about them, you're going to lose market share. Um, and you know the way that the, the thing is going again and again, I'd say like the internet, you know, frees people up. Um, it, it empowers people across the board, you know? So, you know, I, I strongly believe that like the next um, couple, you know, next generations of um, of the best, you know, companies, startups, whatever in America are going to come from, you know, African-American and like, like Latino kids, you know, because, um, you know, innovation comes from scarcity, you know, it comes from pain, like the best art, Music, food, everything um, comes from really comes from poor people. Like rich people have money, and so rich people they buy taste. <laughs> they buy you culture. Know, one one of the guys that I had a doctor Yasin Dawood, like one of the the Wilmer Eye Institute, the head of the Wilmer Eye Institute here, or, or in the nation. He's a really smart man. He actually said exactly what you did on the podcast, oh, really? which is that comfort is the enemy of innovation. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you have a startup, um, even if a rich, rich dude has a startup, he doesn't go and just like invest the, invest all the money himself. And he doesn't, you know, just give the startup a lot of money because then you'd solve problems with money. Like now you're like, you know, pressure, pressure and heat, you know, make diamonds, right? So yeah. Solve your problems in other ways. So yeah. I mean, you just look at hip hop, right? Like, um, Comes from pain, like culturally appropriated it, and and sort of uh, uh, more than that, um, you know, it's become a business. And where does it come from? What came from pain? Um, it has a hell of a lot of value, you know. And that's what we're gonna see. Like uh, the um, the guy, whoever I think the first investor in Snapchat as a small 
uh, small firm, small fund, friends of friends of mine, but they, um, they actually found Snapchat because they hired like a 16 year old um, girl in, in college or in college, in high school. Um, she, they were just, they wanted into her brain. They wanted to see the world from her point of view, what she was about, because of course, you know, they don't have that perspective, you know? So um, that's how they were able to find that. They're like, wow, shit. Like, hmm. that's amazing. Like if you lose those perspectives, um, then you're going to lose for one as a, as a company. And then, you know, as a person, you know, again, it's like looking, judging people by, by race is, is a, a dumb, meaningless way of splitting up people. It's, it's arbitrary and asinine. And if you, if you think that way or with that little thought, um, for something that apparently you have so much conviction around. So you're ignorant and you're arrogant. Um, you know, your character is your destiny. Like your life's probably not going to be all that great. You know, um, that's what I, I like to hope and like to believe in like, you know, uh, versus, you know, moral indignation or whatever. It's just like, you know, that's let, let idiots be idiots. Like I, I don't have time for that stuff. You know? Yeah. I think us as Muslims need to realize that a little bit is that we will never really be 100% loved or accepted. Even if we get 50% loved or accepted, that would be a miracle. So, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. But we can, do you have anything else you'd like to add on or any anything? Yeah. Oh, okay. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, Mr. Yeah, <laughs> man. No problem, man. I appreciate the awesome conversation, man. That was, that was fun. It was a lot of fun, yeah, man. A lot of right? Fun. Some other time uh, we'll do it again.